Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Business of Inner Peace. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about the five key areas that will strengthen your relationships with your kids. I can't wait to dive in. So grab that cup of coffee or tea and let's go. Welcome to the Business of Inner Peace. I'm your host, Erin Jean, and I'm so glad you're here. Let's pretend we're sitting in my living room enjoying a cup of coffee or tea and getting to know each other just a little better. That's what I love. I love getting to hear your story. I love feeling connected by the spirit of understanding that our stories bring. Today, I'm sharing some of my story, but I hope someday soon you'll be telling me yours. Listen, I know that you're feeling overwhelmed with life and nothing is exactly how you'd like it to be. Your marriage is not what you hoped for. Motherhood is harder than you imagined and you've lost yourself somewhere in the mix of responsibilities. Well, if you're ready to bring some more peace and joy into your life, reconnect with God who made you and start living a life you love, then grab your cup of coffee or tea and let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're here. Today we are talking about parenting. And I think this might be the first episode I've actually done on the subject. It's been interesting because the topic of relationships with our kids has been coming up a lot in different places as I've talked to moms, and I just thought it would be something relevant and something helpful to talk about today. So the problem, as I see it, is that most parents aren't truly parenting with the end in mind. And what I mean by that is we tend to parent with thinking about the kind of human that we want to raise, like we want them to be good and kind and great citizens. But I don't know how often we're thinking about the kind of relationship that we would like to have with our child once they are an adult. And I think that that is so important to really be looking at. And I've noticed as I've had teenagers and I've been watching other parents parent their teenagers, that a lot of parenting decisions seem to be based in control versus based in relationship. And I've also noticed that it becomes critically important to have a solid, trustworthy relationship with your kids once they are teenagers and adults because it affects everything. So all of this first started um, when I was having coffee with my friend and she was asking me about my son. He's my only son and he's the oldest. And she wanted to know what his plans were for after high school. Which led me to explain that he um, he's not your average kiddo. I don't think that he'll be headed off to college. He is actually very much in love with his girlfriend. And I think that he will most likely be heading towards marriage, towards a life in ministry, and 
probably entrepreneurship, which, of course, her next question was around how I felt about the girlfriend. And my response to that seemed to genuinely surprise her. I told her that the thing that I am the most focused on with my son is building a strong relationship. And how I feel about the person that he is choosing for life or even as a girlfriend for dating is not as important to me as him and I having a strong and connected relationship. And truthfully, because I know that if I reject or accept her and make my focus all about if she's good enough for my son or not, I'm going to miss an opportunity for relationship with him because the focus is just going to be on the wrong place. Studies actually show that you need at least five positive interactions for every one negative interaction in the course of a day. And I have no studies on this, but I'm just going to say if your one negative interaction is over something that's like a huge important life issue to your kiddo, especially when they're a teenager, you might need like four times as many positive interactions to kind of outweigh that unless you've been so focused and concentrating on having this positive, strong, connected, trustworthy relationship from day one. Because the balance of um, these things is what makes it possible to have healthy and happy relationships that are going to withstand normal conflicts of daily life. And if you don't have enough positive interactions, you are going to lose your balance and possibly lose your relationship with your child. So here's the five key places that you can begin to form some new parenting habits and be more mindful about your positive interactions. The first one, um, and actually, before I dive into that, I want to point out one more thing. I, I do notice, and I said this earlier, that parents are parenting out of desire for control versus relationship. And yes, we need good, healthy boundaries for our kids, but trying to control every little thing that happens in their lives, aka helicopter parenting, <laughs> it is not going to create the outcome that we're wanting of having this deep, connected, trustworthy relationship. And I also want to point out that there's a huge difference between guilt and shame. And I notice that there's a lot of parents that are using shame to control their kiddos. So guilt is feeling bad about a choice or an action that we have done. But shame is feeling bad about who we are as a person. If you've never listened to it, I highly recommend, um, I believe it's just a TED Talk with Brene Brown on shame. It's really powerful. This is such a negative emotion that I really think it's important to take a deep dive and understand the difference because the last thing we want to do as parents is create shame in our children. And a lot of deep-rooted shame 
which by the way, is like gets deep into our subconscious programming. It comes from childhood. And so I think it's really important for us as parents to be mindful of that. So let's get back to these five key places that you can begin to form some new parenting habits and be more mindful about your positive interactions. Or at the very least, I'm going to give you five things (laughs) to think about. Um, And maybe you're already doing all of these things wonderfully. I have no idea. And another side note, I am in no way saying that I am doing all of these things wonderfully or perfect, but it is definitely something that is so worthwhile putting energy and effort into. And again, because of conversations that I've been having with friends and other moms, I think it's worth having the conversation about it here today because I do believe that something out of this is going to bless you. And let's face it, when things are going good in the realm of parenting, it definitely brings more inner peace into your life. (laughs) So um, the first one is not letting a child do something themselves. So children hit an age where they're wanting to be independent in their daily life skills and in their decision making. And sometimes these choices are really not what you had in mind, (laughs) or it's slowing down your routine, and it's just easier to do things for them. Our kids really need to learn through experience to build up confidence. Um, An example is like, you're trying to get out the door with everyone, and you're running late and your child wants to dress themselves or put on their own shoes. And these are typically kids that are, you know, somewhere in toddlerhood, maybe till five or six or seven, depending on your child. But not only are they doing it slow, but they put their clothes on backwards or they're putting their shoes on the wrong feet. And I get it. It could be totally frustrating, but rather than rushing them, or telling them they're doing it wrong, I want to offer you the option of praising them, praising them for making an effort to do it themselves, and then offering information like, I just want you to know that your shirt is on backwards. Is that okay with you? Or your shoes are on the wrong feet. Do they feel okay? It's just information, right? Often parents are struggling to do this, not because it's really the end of the world that their kids' shoes are on the wrong feet or their clothes are on backwards. I think it's truly because we feel like our children are a reflection of us. And maybe somebody is going to think that we aren't a very good parent if we allow our children to look a certain way. And the truth, the deep truth on this is I think that we do this a lot more than we want to admit, that we're parenting from a place of worrying what our kids' behavior is going to mean about us versus making sure our kids are getting what they need from us as a parent. I remember, and I don't know how old I was, I was definitely a young adult, maybe a little bit older, my dad telling me that one of his biggest regrets as a parent is that he took everything personally. 
he said everything that we did, you know, every misbehavior to him, he was taking it personally. It was as if we were doing it against him rather than just doing it because we're having our own life experience and learning how to be our own people. And I just, I think it ties into that same feeling, like like we're worried what other people are going to think about us based on our kids' behavior. And I just think that's parenting from the absolutely wrong place because at the end of the day, if your kids are healthy and safe and wonderful human beings that you have a trustworthy relationship with, who the heck cares what anyone thinks, right? Um, I think it's between you and God, and you're ultimately going to be accountable to God for how you raise that child. And we want to stand before our Heavenly Father and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We don't ever want to be the reason that our children are stumbling or hurting. Um, We want to be their source of comfort, not their source of pain. So anyhow, moving on. Um, Number two is judging your child's choice. So this can be as simple as just a critical statement of like, what were you thinking? Which we can like, we can find that flying out of our mouths a lot as our kids are like in the tween age, teenage years, right? Because sometimes they're not thinking and the part of that front part of their brain is not even developed. So (laughs) they don't even understand fully consequences. Um, Or the, I can't believe you just did that right? And again, I'm not, I'm guilty of saying things like this. It's like, it's just that knee-jerk reaction just flies out of your mouth. But I'm talking about it today to help us bring some awareness to it because statements like that can absolutely create shame in our children because it's leading them to believe that there's something innately wrong with them versus their choice. And you might think you're judging their choice when you say that, But it really comes across, especially um, as a child, it comes across as the judgment of who that child is. So instead, you might want to acknowledge your child's choice like that was an interesting choice to cut your bangs like that. (laughs) I think almost all of us have had the experience of our child cutting their own hair where they weren't supposed to. Um, And then you can follow it up with, I have some information for you. Side note, I love telling my kids that I have information for them. And if my friend Bree is listening to this, I can hear her laughing right now. Every time this phrase comes out of my mouth, she seems to get joy out of it. I have some information for you. (laughs) But what's so cool is when you're telling kids that you have information for them, Whatever I say next, it becomes less about them and more about the information, which is really all that I'm offering. Here's the information I would offer. I would say something like, you know, scissors are for cutting paper. And when scissors get close to someone's eyes, they could get hurt. And then you could ask some questions like, is your hair paper? And that might get your kids laughing because you could be really silly about it, which is always helpful. Um, Or maybe saying something like, I like your eyes and I don't want them to get hurt. So I'm going to go put the scissors in a new place. And the next time you want them, 
come and let me know. And then we can decide if you're going to cut paper or something else. Um, the third thing is telling them not to cry or not to be angry. I feel like this one is really hard to avoid. And I know because I try so hard not to do it. As a little girl, I was told this a lot. Like, why are you crying? Why are you crying? You have nothing to be crying over. Stop crying. I was very sensitive. And so I really have tried to be mindful about this. But I'll admit, it has still, the phrase has flown out of my mouth. And I wish I could grab it immediately <laughs> and take it back. It's, it's just hard to avoid. But with some practice, I know that we can do it. Um, the thing is, our kiddos, they have these big emotions and those emotions are not always convenient or pleasant. And so we try to stop them because they're kind of inconvenient for our life at that moment. But if we can do our best to avoid this phrase at all costs, it will be so much better for everyone. And instead, we can try getting on their level especially if they're small, like literally getting down on your knees is helpful um, and acknowledge or even guess how they're feeling. So you could say something like, it looks like you might be angry. Am I right? Or, you know, maybe I think you're feeling sad. Is that true? And then next, I love asking them what they need. Because then it's not you telling them what to do with those emotions. It really is helping them tap into their own intuition and their own knowing of themselves and figuring out what it is that they need. There's so many adults that I know that don't know how to answer that question. They could be really upset and they'd have no idea what they need. So we want to grow this skill in our kids. Um, and if they aren't sure you can offer ideas and suggestions. So you can say, um, maybe you need a hug or maybe you need to go in your room and hit some pillows or maybe you need to go outside and yell as loud as you can. Because the truth is we all have emotions and the more that we can allow emotions to be present, the healthier we're going to be all of us <laughs> for it. And just think about if you were given permission to feel your emotions as a child, how it would have helped you. Okay, so number four is public discipline. I have found that using public discipline, it's a huge source of shame. I've actually seen children made to hold up signs in public about things they've done wrong. I'm sure you guys have seen some of those floating around on social media. Um, I've watched moms in my personal circle force their children to do push-ups in front of others for a poor choice that they made. And I'm sure you can think of some other awful things that you've witnessed as well. We are the keepers of our children's hearts. And we want to show them that we are safe and trustworthy with our actions our actions are always going to speak so much louder than our words. And we can do this by not screaming across the playground when we see our child misbehaving, but rather taking the time to go 
up to them and pull them aside and have a quiet conversation about what's going on and then decide, you know, what the consequence needs to be. Maybe it's just time to leave the park. Maybe they need to go up to another child and ask if the child is okay or even acknowledge what they just did to another child that maybe was unkind. Um, I'm not a big fan of forcing children to say they're sorry because I don't think that it brings any thoughtfulness into the actions for what they just did. But I'm a huge fan of asking children to acknowledge what they did. So saying things like, I pushed you, Johnny. Are you okay? Even that can be so much more helpful than saying, I'm sorry. (laughs) And the kid's not even thinking about what they really did. That's just my own personal thing. Um, I know there's a lot of parenting styles out there, so I'm just offering that one up. Okay, so number five is telling your kid that they are a bad little girl or a bad little boy. I've personally never said this to my kids, but I have definitely witnessed other parents saying this. And in fact, my youngest daughter often tells me that she is a bad girl after we've just had a talk about poor behavior that she's done. And I always correct this whenever I hear it. And I tell her, you are not a bad girl. And there's no such thing as bad girls or bad boys. God made you and everyone else in his image. And God is good. And when he made you and all humans, God said that we were very, very good. However, we often make bad choices. That's the sin part, right? And it's our choices that we need to work on. I think this is so important because I think it goes right to the heart of shame, right? Telling a child that they're bad or even allowing a child to think that they are bad. It's so connected to shame. And I think we need to do our best to put an end to that. So along with everything that I've shared, I really want to encourage you in a few other ideas for just daily moments where you can build in relationship. Um, Maybe just having some moments every morning with your child. You don't even have to talk. It could just be a snuggle on the couch or hugging them if they'll let you (laughs) because I have teenagers and I know how that is, but teenagers still need hugs. So if they will allow it, hug them. (laughs) Um, Talk to your kids and ask questions and be interested in their answers. Maybe leave them little notes in their lunchbox or their notebooks. Take time to sing and dance and be silly with your kids. Always say goodbye with a hug or a kiss or a message of I love you. I think it's so important. And when your kids come to you with anything, especially as teenagers, do your absolute best to stay calm, to not react in a huge way. And no matter what they say, just listen 
And if you need to, just let them know you need some time to process. But this is key at building trust, and it's the key to getting them to come and talk to you again when things get hard. When I was in sixth grade, I had my first kiss, and I was so excited to tell my mom about it. And I can vividly remember telling my mom in the car and she got so mad at me and she started to lecture me that I shouldn't be doing that with my time at school. I shouldn't be kissing boys. Well, maybe she was right. I'm not going to argue that point. The point I want to drive in here is the thought I vividly remember having in my head is I will never tell you anything again. And I did not. I didn't share all those fun things of growing up with her anymore because I knew I was going to be met with judgment and disapproval. And that's what kids are trying to avoid. So listen, if you have enjoyed this conversation today, and maybe you're looking for a group of women to do life with, I want to encourage you to come and join our monthly support group. It's called The Healing Circle. And we bring up anything and everything that's affecting our daily life, and we process it together. We're always going to take a look at the subconscious programming that's involved, and we're going to go over practical tools that can help you in everyday life to build and grow inner peace. So come learn more at bit.ly backslash healing circle. That's B-I-T dot L-Y backslash healing circle. I cannot wait to see you on the other side. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're feeling blessed by the content here, the number one way you can show me is by leaving me a written review of the show. I'd be forever grateful knowing that you're out there listening helps me know that I'm truly living out God's purpose in my life. The other thing you can do is take a screenshot of this episode share it with a friend or better yet tag me on your Instagram stories. Remember you are seen, known, and loved. May God richly bless you today. All my love, Erin Jean.